Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Passion drive and patience what brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive ebay motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers roof racks exhaust kits led headlights and more whether you're into speed power or style ebay motors has got you covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die you'll always find exactly what you're looking for and with ebay guaranteed fit your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Uh, and I also think that toughness can be acquired not through fisticuffs, right? So, like, I'm going to I'm gonna throw out a name and... and this just popped into my head just because of the conversation we're having. And uh, Nikita Zadorov is a guy out in Calgary that's requested a trade. Um, I, I got to be honest, because it just popped into my head, I don't even know what his contract looks like. I don't even know if the Bruins would ever even have an opportunity to fit him or if you'd want to. But, like, you know, it, like somebody like that, you know, what, what is he, 6'6", 250? Like, I mean, you play against him in seven games, you know, a guy who can play regular shifts in the NHL and be an effective player, like, that's toughness shift in and shift out. Um, I would take over somebody like Lucic who can at this point in his career only really offer you a fight or like a, a, an assist here and there. Um, have you guys thought about Zadorov as somebody at all since only because he requested a trade? Have you, has his name crossed your mind about eh, maybe the Bruins should look at him if the opportunity presents itself? It's crossed my mind, but I just don't, I don't really see a fit. I mean, the Bruins are already, you know, once Grizzly returns, seven deep, eight deep on defense, if, you know, depending on how you feel about Ian Mitchell. Like, yeah, he brings something a little different. Um, you know, right? Like the Bruins have other guys with size, but he is, he does bring a little more nasty. Um, I think the, just from like some of the reports and rumors out there, I think the asking price right now is probably too high. And, I think there's a lot of people overrating Nikita Zadorov, who I don't, I don't think is a great player. I think he's tough, and you know, ideally on on a on a team that wants to compete for a cup, he's like your sixth defenseman in my mind. I feel like right now the asking price is probably like treating him like a top four defenseman, and that's just way too much for me. So I would be perfectly fine just standing pad and letting that play itself out. If someone else wants to overpay for him now great let them if 
he hangs around and you know you can slow play this and somewhere closer to the deadline the prices it drops a lot and, and becomes cheaper you know maybe you circle back then but right now i i certainly don't have a whole lot of interest in zadorov at like a top four asking price yeah yeah it's probably because he had last year his numbers were better than they've ever been and that apparently like probably still keeps the 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 asking price the expectation up a little bit but no i get why you bring him up though brian because um we've and and we've had questions from listeners about you know upgrading on defense or training a defenseman so if you're making a move for someone like a top uh a top six winger and you're moving out for in that trade you're moving out a contract of like forbert or grizzlick maybe you do make a coinciding move like maybe there if there's multiple moves to be made maybe you make a, a coinciding move like that um cap dependent as as we uh, have yeah. mentioned every single other every single other time and um it would seem like you'd you'd probably need calgary to hold on to a little bit of that contract because it's you know it's 3.7 million or just yeah. about that so so yeah i just i just think and there's a lot of logistics that go into it uh, to even make that work. I just, a guy like that, I, I try to pretend, okay, how would I feel if I had to watch the Bruins play against him in a playoff series? How would I feel if I had to watch Marshan or Pasternak or, you know, whomever go into the corners with him for seven games? I'd be like, well, that sucks. Like, like Zadorov could literally put them out of the series at any point and he's not going to get up muscled in front of the net and just, I just think that there's, I, I think it's, I think he's a, I think he'd be a pretty good guy to have on your team in a playoff series or four. Um, you're not going to get pushed around at all. So um, I don't know. I, again, I wouldn't bring him up if, if he wasn't requesting a trade out of Calgary and uh, just how you guys would fear, like to see him on the Bruins, if at all. And it sounds like Scott's not too enamored with them. Um, I, I think I, I think I'd kind of welcome it if it, if it worked out again, Depends what the asking price is and for how much, blah, blah, blah. But just if we're talking about what he brings to a team, I don't know. I, I, is Matt Grizzlick a better hockey player than Nikita Zadorov? Absolutely. He moves the puck better. He's a better skater, all those things. But I don't know. It's, it's always about uh, the best players. It's about the right players. And I think that he'd be a – I would take him on a back end in the playoff run. That's all I'm saying. Um, but – Maybe maybe he sits in Calgary and it's just awkward as hell all year. <laughs> that's a pretty that's a that's a tough situation, you know. Yeah, I mean Calgary is going to be a really interesting team to watch, just in general this whole trade deadline season because they have a lot of they, you know, there were lots of rumors about them over the summer, you know, not none of them really came to fruition. And then I think they sort of thought, you know what? Like, we feel like we still have a pretty good team. Let's see how the season goes and revisit. And the season isn't going well. And now they have all these pending free agents. And, you know, another defenseman that, you know, I know has been linked to the Bruins many times in the past is Noah Hannafin, obviously. Um, you know, local kid, BC product. Um, who, there were reports that, like, Shortly after opening night, he was close to an extension. And then because they were struggling so much, he basically pulled back from 
the negotiating table. And now it sounds like he's not going to sign an extension. So, um, you know, Elias Lindholm still has not signed. Like it's, if they do end up deciding to sell, like they're going to have some really valuable pieces. And if you're the Bruins and you're, you're a team that looks like they're going to be, you know, a, a contender and be around it, you're going to have to explore every possibility. So, you know, all of those guys I just mentioned, like, to one extent or another, depending on price makes sense. So um, that's, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be fascinating um, what the flames end up deciding to do. It's been a train wreck over there the last few seasons with all the players that they've lost and traded and didn't want to play there. And I, it's one of those ones where it's like, you don't know exactly what's going on behind the scenes, but you know, something's going on behind the scenes where there's some sort of management situation that's just maybe the culture there isn't so great but um but yeah that gives the Bruins the opportunity if Calgary wants to make a deal um at some point towards the trade deadline for sure but it to, to transition back to the Bruins and the Bruins defense uh big game for Charlie McAvoy um he had a power play goal that he just stepped into um and there was a lot of I know Scott you spoke to him today after Bruins practice and um, coach also talked about him and saying he's playing the best hockey that he's seen, um, especially offensively since meeting Charlie McAvoy and coming in and coaching. So I just figured we could bring it back around to the Bruins D that they do have because they have been generating offense um, and Charlie McAvoy has been looking confident offensively as well. Yeah. He's currently got a six game point streak, which he's only had two streaks longer than that in his career. Um, he's had a pair of eight game point streaks. Uh, he's right now he's at a point per game, 12 points in 12 games, obviously with a four game suspension mixed in there. But like that's, you know, we talk about like, all right, last year he had the shoulder surgery, kept him out to start the season, comes back by his own admission, took a while to really get back up to speed and get to where he wanted to be. So he, he was never really in like the Norse conversation last year point per game like that's kind of where you have to be nowadays to really be a serious Norris candidate and he's there and if if people were voting right now the four game suspension would be held against him but five months from now I don't know that a four game suspension in early November is gonna hurt him too much um so like that's what he's that's kind of the the pace he's on right now and what he's setting himself up for. He like just everything's up. The the assists are up, goal scoring. He's got a couple now, you know, three on the season. He's shooting more. Um, the Bruins are scoring more when he's on the ice, which for you know, a team that we thought was gonna take a step back offensively, like I wouldn't have necessarily anticipated that. I would have kind of thought. You know, everyone might take a step back in terms of how much the Bruins are scoring when they're on the ice. And it's been the opposite with McAvoy, right? Right now, their five-on-five goals when he's on the ice are at a career high for McAvoy. So it's it's been really impressive. Um, he Montgomery also credited him with kind of – Montgomery felt like once the Bruins got up by a couple goals Saturday, he thought Montreal started taking some runs and, and – ratcheting up the physicality and he said McAvoy was the guy who really answered that and 
you know, landed a couple big hits to, to sort of respond in real time. Um, and I asked McAvoy about that. And he said, like his first couple games back, he was like, he was like, I don't think I even hit anyone because I was just worried about getting suspended again. And now Saturday night, you know, I guess the game kind of like forced his hand a little bit and you, you saw that come back. And obviously we know that's one of the things he does best. And I, I get having like those first game or two back jitters after a suspension, but this is someone who's played a lot of hockey and has landed two suspendable hits in his entire career. Like, I think we know that he is a 99.9% clean hitter and you know, it might just take a little while for him to remember that, but you, you saw that on Saturday. Can I, to quote Charlie McAvoy, when Scott asked him this question, bro, <laughs> he called Scott bro. He was like, I was thinking, I was like, I wonder how Scott feels about Charlie McAvoy just looking at him and going, bro. I mean, <laughs> hey, li- listen, BU is a brotherhood, okay? So it's true. It's true. But yeah, he was like, bro. I never want that to happen again. Like I'm, I'm not trying to get suspended like that again. I think he took it personally in that he, he feels around the league. Maybe he doesn't want his reputation to change and that maybe people just see the, the four game suspension and don't see the rest of his games. They're not Bruins fans or from somewhere else. They, they might get the idea that, and like lump him in with someone like Brad Marchand and, and just add to the reputation. So I think he was worried about that. And I think he, he's conscious of what he, you know, feeling bad that he had that hit in the first place that was suspendable. So, yeah, but also you're his bro. So that's what my main takeaway was. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. takeaway was Jim Montgomery wearing all the BU gear. He must've lost a bet like Scott said on online. He, um, he did. But no, he, Ma- he did because <laughs> McAvoy confirmed it. Yeah. Scott, you want yeah, to elaborate? And, yeah. So uh, Jim Montgomery hit the ice at Sunday's practice wearing a BU hat. Um, and then in his uh, post-practice press conference, he had both the BU hat and a BU sweater. Um yeah, big weekend for the Terriers sweeping Maine in a in a top ten showdown. So, yeah, there were there were some in in room bets going on in that, and that was what Montgomery had to do for losing. I don't know what Swayman has had to do or will have to do because he had said on on Friday when we talked to him that uh, there were some friendly wagers between him and and a couple of the BU guys on the team. So I don't know what the what exactly the payoff was because he was Swayman was kind of feeling himself and he was like I think Charlie McAvoy is going to look really good in a main hat, so I don't Swayman's got to wear something, but uh, we have we haven't seen it just yet. Yeah, no, and uh, of I mean a lot of the guys they still pay attention and and go to different um, college hockey games where their former teams are playing, but. Yeah, I feel like Swayman talks a lot of crap to the other guys from different teams um, about, you know, Maine because he's, he's still 
um, very close to to me. He, I mean, he's not that far removed from playing there. He was the Mike Richter Award winner in, I think, 2020, so it's not that long ago. Um, but he has a lot of pride for that. And then, obviously, Montgomery won the national title there. So those are two guys that really hold Maine in, in high regard. And then BU is so good this year that I know I know McAvoy made a comment about um, Macklin Celebrini being because like he's a, he's like a unique guy. Like he he was very impressed with Celebrini, which I think most people are. Um, but I love when the, the the college and the NHL worlds collide. That's like where I live in the middle of. <laughs> so whenever they're like they come together, I I get all hyper and and I start talking about it. <laughs> Yeah, and they, and they were they were all at Friday's game too. I know. Yeah. Swayman, Montgomery, McAvoy, Shattenkirk, Grizzly, like that they, they were all there. It was also funny when Montgomery was talking about it. He he said Coyle isn't part of the bet because he was only half committed to college. Um, because Coyle Coyle left after uh halfway through through the season when he was at BU to go to uh the Quebec Major Juniors instead. It's not nice. Um, but yeah, just just to just to circle all the way back to to the McAvoy point, like I, I I get why he's a little hesitant. Getting back from suspension, obviously, you're kind of paranoid. But honestly, Scott, you mentioned he's played so much hockey, and the the hit on all of Reckman Larson was so stupid, and he had to go so far out of his way to make such a stupid play. It's not even like a. It, it's you know what I mean. It's like I get why he's like don't want to get suspended again, but that was just such a uncharacteristic play. Like, um, just get back on the on the bike and, and play hockey like you do, and just shake that. That was just a dumb, dumb, dumb play. So, um, but yeah, he he looked more comfortable and he's getting back in the groove of things. And yeah, I love the the shot first mentality and the on the on the five on three. It's funny. Um, the Bruins on Instagram they've been doing this thing the last couple of years where like they'll on their story or on their feed, they'll they'll post an in-game footage from like the corner, the corner dash, like, and uh, there's no there's no commentary. It's just the game. And so on the five on three goal, you hear the you hear the crowd in the background, wicked loud yelling, "Shoot, come on, shoot!" And then McAvoy finally shoots it, and everybody goes crazy. It was just like it was funny because it was from the Bruins main account, and you just hear the fans heckling the power play on a five on three. But um, yeah, no, that's what you'll hear any game you ever go to is someone screaming shoot, even if the Bruins are on the other end of the ice. It's like, no, <laughs> no, stop. It was funny. I once sat next to a fan who was yelling, You're going the wrong way at the Bruins. And I'm like, I think they know which way they're supposed to be going. <laughs> it was, was funny. There was one. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah, that was last week up on my floor. Um, there was one early in the game Saturday. I don't know if the Bruins are on the power play for his five on five, but some guy like kind of right below us, like in the balcony, but like lower end of the balcony, losing his mind, yelling, shoot in like a situation where there were like seven bodies between the point and the net. It was just like, it was just like a, a, like a mass of bodies. And I'm like, I'm like, dude, there are literally like seven people in the way. Like, what are you talking about? But you know, that's just par for the course. Any game you'll ever go to, doesn't matter what fan base. So everybody's got their like three beers in and they're like, shoot. <laughs> um, especially Scott. Yeah, you so don't sit it. near Scott. Try not to sit near Scott. Um, which the funny thing is Scott tries not to sit near me, but they automatically put both of us next to each other. So 
Um, poor Scott has to deal with me. <laughs> I wanted to, before we get, go off the rails like we did last uh, episode, and also because we're getting to the end here, Mason Lorai. Um, we talked about McAvoy. Sorry if you hear, keep hearing that. My watch, I keep hitting it on my table. Um, Mason Lorai's game, I, I wanted to get you guys' thoughts on it. I, I thought you were just trying to get my attention. Yeah, I, I keep I, I don't know why I keep doing this, but I just keep slamming it onto like a glass countertop and Bridget's like pay attention. Pay uh, attention. It's probably not great for the watch, honestly, guys. Um it would be the like tenth thing of my technology that I broke this year because I'm already on my third laptop, but and my phone. I cracked my phone at a wedding. Um but yeah. Oh, that's not good. <laughs> no. So anyway, what what did you guys think of Lorai? Uh, we've kind of been going through his ups and downs, uh, and I guess to keep going with that, how how do you think he played against Montreal? Kind of kind of a microcosm of his entire sample size so far. There's times where you know he shows his elusiveness and and skating ability and playmaking ability, um, and, and creates offense. Then for the most part, defensively he's fine. And then there's other times where like the Montreal second goal, it's just, it's a net mount scramble. And, you know, it's not, I, look, I've seen not to compare the players. Okay. At all. But I've seen Matt Grizzlick get out muscled in front before and, and, and have, you know, the opponent score. I've seen it happen to every Bruins defenseman. Right. Um, but yeah, on that play, like Lorai just kind of gets lost, loses his man in front. Uh, I forget who it was for Montreal to, to, to score, but um so, you know, you don't love to see that. You like to see him, you know, identify a stick or a body and kind of make that, that play not happen. I don't know, Scott. I mean, did you see anything in particular from in this game that hasn't kind of been what you've seen, you know, throughout the last, what it's been, eight games? I thought he was getting more involved offensively than he has in maybe, you know, the last couple of games closer to to what we were seeing, like, his first couple. Um you know, he like the one, the like the one spin move he made, and then kind of drove low and got to the got the puck to the front. Like that stands out. But I thought he was a little more active offensively in general. Um, but you're you're right. Like there was still at least that one really notable hiccup uh, defensively. Um, I think he had. I think he turned the puck over in the breakout, like his first or second shift of the game too. Um, you know, there weren't a ton of mistakes, but there's still just a couple there where you're like, all right, like there's, there's still work to do to, to clean things up. Um, I would say it was a good game for him overall, but, you know, certainly not perfect. So I guess small step in the right direction, maybe. Um, you know, I still think he's probably going to have to have a really strong week between now and next Saturday if he's... Um, going to force his way into the lineup even after Grizzly comes back. But um yeah, I didn't I didn't think he like actively hurt his case on Saturday. And I, I noticed and this just because it stuck out to me in the postgame pre- press conference with Montgomery saying like he's seen Lorai improve since he's come up and that he's noticed that he's been able to take the coaching and in game learn from the mistakes like in his sample size here in Boston that he's been able to to kind of learn through it and grow from playing in the NHL I know Scott you were 
there. So I'm guessing you probably um, had some thoughts about that when he when he mentioned because because I bring it up just because we're talking about what's better for the development and um, coach did mention he you know he thinks he's seen development since he since he came up and and playing in the NHL and in, in trying to fix those mistakes at this level. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like that that needs to happen with a young player. Um, so it's it's good that it is. I don't, I don't think you know. I don't think it necessarily means like, all right, well then in that case, keep him up and let him work through mistakes because I also think he can learn and improve in the AHL too. Like, so I think he can do that either place. But yes, if he is going to stick at the NHL. He is he obviously has to learn on the fly because he is very far from a finished product. So, um, yeah, I mean that's that's good, but that's that's what you have to do for any young player. Can I ask you guys one question that just popped into my mind? Um, one thing I realized last night, and one thing I realized on opening night and against the Maple Leafs. Can you guys get on board with? going back to wearing white at home. And here and here's why. Here's why. If you're going to watch the Bruins at home wear the same uniform, you know, every every game, might as well watch them wear white and then have all the visiting teams come in and show show their colors off as opposed to all the visiting teams wearing white. Like I I think there's something cool about the away team coming in in a dark sweater, whatever the color is is what it is. It just kind of I feel like it just adds a little bit more personality to to each game at in Boston, I don't know if it, if it's the the Bruins logo on the ice and 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 the away team wearing dark and the Bruins wearing white. Just I don't know. You got you got, Can you guys get on on that train? So my take on this for a while has been: I just wish they had more flexibility where you can wear either one at home and like whether you schedule it in advance or it's just kind of what you're feeling at the time. Cause you're, you're on a winning streak or you're on a losing streak and you want to break that or whatever. Like, I just wish there was flexibility. I, you know, there's a lot of things the NBA gets wrong fashion wise. Um, I, I think NBA teams have too many different jerseys. Uh, I think the courts they're playing on for this in season tournament are an absolute abomination for the most part. Um, but one thing the NBA gets right is you see a lot of teams wear white and their, you know, primary color at home. And like, it, it alternates. Like if you go to the Celtics, you might see them in white. You might see them in green. I like that. I know some people like it one way or the other for the sake of consistency. Um, I wish there was more room to, to sort of, go back and forth, which we're, we're seeing this year from the Bruins because their their third jerseys that they're wearing on these eras nights are, um, are obviously white. So like we are getting to see it, but normally there's very, very few games, not just in Boston, but like league wide where the home team wears white. Yeah, here's our impromptu fashion segment that we didn't know was coming, but Brian just once again to finish out the episode, what what fashion segment? <laughs> well, I couldn't help but notice how like I was watching a game on TV 
And um, I just couldn't help but think to myself, I feel like Montreal's red, white, and blue jerseys looked so much better in Boston than they do in Montreal. Not so much better. It's the same jerseys. But there's something, like, visually pleasing about watching those red Montreal sweaters on Boston ice and the Bruins wearing white on Boston ice. I just... I've always been of of the home team are wearing white every game, just the logo changes. It's just kind of monotonous. But for for the Bruins fans to see all the different colors come into town, I just you know what I mean. Like the the, the home crowd's gonna see one jersey regardless, so you might as well see the home the home fans are gonna see one jersey regardless from their team, right? So if you're gonna see different different colors come in, you might as well have the away teams come in with different uniforms every time. It just kind of adds personality to the games, I feel like, for the home for the home audience. And that goes around the entire league. Like, for, for teams to watch the Bruins come into town wearing, you know, their black jerseys and yellow socks, I feel like would be, well, historically, would be cool. Um, and I think, like, Mon- like, watching old footage or old clips of, like, the Montreal Canadiens wearing their white jerseys in the old Montreal form, like, I just like home teams wearing white. And then the visiting team coming in with whatever colors they wear. Um, I have memories of like being in like the late nineties of like going to the garden or the fleet center at the time and seeing like the mighty ducks of Anaheim come into town with their, with their, their awesome uniforms or like the Philadelphia flyers wearing their orange jerseys. So thanks for having that fashion segment banner ready to go, Bridget. Um, but these, yeah, these always, these, always. That's what I made original, it for. These original six era nights just, it's the Canadians popped on TV last night so much. And I was like, I have to bring this up in the, in the moment. Thank you. For and by the way, the guys. fashion segment, it's, it's not an official fashion segment unless Brian brings up the nineties Anaheim ducks jerseys as well. So <laughs> cut that into. That is true. That is very true. Honestly, some of the, some of the best hockey uniforms out there, those ducks jerseys. And then for college hockey, the university of Maine, not no offense, Scott, but Maine has some pretty sick jerseys too because they were playing BU recently. But anyway, well, yeah, BU versus Maine gives you like the best jersey matchup you can get in college hockey. So yeah, that that was yeah, but I don't that like was the, great to watch. I don't like how BU goes to these um these like two stripe uniforms. Like their their traditional jerseys are so awesome. Like the Red Wings, it just says BU on it or whatever. I don't know. It says Boston on it, actually. Um, but yeah, man. Get it right, Brian. Uh, I, I love I love all BU jerseys. I've I've loved a lot of the throwbacks they've used as well in recent years. Um, yeah, it. I will say, like, by far the best jersey matchups the Bruins have had this year have been the two Aaron Knights games. This one against the Canadians with those red, and the first one was against the Red Wings with their red, which again is like is nice to see in Boston because, you know, it's probably been a long time since we've seen Detroit wearing red in Boston. Um, or the Blackhawks. It's always been white. Yeah, exactly. You got to see the Blackhawks yeah, logo. Thing, opening night. Right. Yeah. Pretty, it's pretty cool. Anyway. So um, that's my, that's my two cents. Hopefully the NHL either does what Scott says and just kind of give flexibility or go back to whites at home. Um that's it for the fashion segment brought to you by uh do we have a sponsor for that? No? Okay, I'll find it. <laughs> we should. Good it's wide, it's wide open. It's wide open. If someone <laughs> out there wants wants to hop step up to the plate. Yes. Oh goodness. All right. Um, well, thanks to me. We've gone long now. Um, do you guys have anything before we wrap up? Bruins are playing Tampa tomorrow. 
That's a good one. Uh, I mean, we, we haven't, so we touched on it being Eras Nights, but we haven't even talked about uh, the pregame ceremony for the Big Bad Bruins for the 1970 and 1972 Cup winners, which just was really cool to see in, in person. It was, you know, I, I didn't see if there was like an official list of everyone who was out there, but it had to have been 15 to 20 guys. It was a lot of them. And obviously all the big names or Esposito, Busick, Cheever, Sanderson, Cashman, like all there, um, you know, and they got to raise their banners for the first time because back in the seventies, teams didn't have banner raising ceremonies on opening night of the next season. You just, you showed up for the next season and your banner was up. So that was pretty cool. And we got to talk to a couple of the guys. We got to talk to uh, Dallas Green and Wayne Cashman between periods. And they said, like, it it was special for them. Like, it brought back a lot of memories when they were standing there um, lifting those banners up. So that was cool. That was – Cam Neely talked to us, too, and said, like, it was an idea that someone – someone, like, in the Bruins marketing department realized that, like, that team – they didn't do that back then and thought, you know, that might be a cool idea for this era's night. And, and it was like, that was, that was a really cool way to, to celebrate those teams. Here's a fashion question for you. Jerry Cheever's um, mask. Is that the most iconic mask in hockey? Yes. And Lena Selmark had a helmet that replicated it. Unfortunately, it wasn't his turn in the rotation. So we didn't actually get to, see it much in the game and obviously doesn't really wear it on the bench. So um, that was a little bit of a bummer, but that, that looks pretty sick. All Mark having the, uh, the stitches. Um, in a, in I a assume new potentially a different errors night. If he is in the net, he would wear that. I mean, I don't think it's just for show. I assume he'll wear that at some point. I don't know. I mean, you know, that's really, I mean, I guess technically it could tie to the next era because the next era is the, the lunch pale AC of like late seventies, early eighties. So and Cheevers was on some of those teams as well, like 77, 78 teams. So, you know, maybe, maybe there's still an opportunity there for the next one. Otherwise it's just a pretty little, a pretty little prop, <laughs> but yeah, I got, I, I was like, Oh, that's easily the most iconic goalie helmet that there ever was and there's that good story behind it too obviously so um it was kind of a funny idea and it looked like it just it also looked great um it looked intense so anyway that's my that's my fashion thought you're welcome i I don't usually have many but (laughs) um no that's a great fashion segment mm -hmm. um all right well bridget and scott i think we've probably touched on everything for this episode the bruins are playing the lightning on Monday, and we'll be having one more episode prior to Thanksgiving uh, that will drop Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, so a few guys are good. Uh, until then, thank you all for listening, and we'll talk to you very soon. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. 
spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. 